All righty, chaps, we are live. Praise God. All righty, boys, we're on. We have power. We have the Lord, obnoxiously so. Welcome to my new studio. I've rearranged some things in the house, and I'm now broadcasting from my sunroom. As uh, as you can tell by the glorious mono-sided lighting, things are going swimmingly. Hope you've all had a great weekend. Um, I've had a had a great one. Trying to think, trying to think, think what we did. Went and visited some friends uh, down in the uh, communist-occupied state of Kentucky, and uh, had a nice day at the lake, which was wonderful. And have been doing some deep dives on um, on Russia, on Lenin, on Stalin, on uh, you know after our chat about uh, the war on Friday. Um, it was a really good, you know, just deep dive. And it, it kind of got me, kind of got me a bit, uh, black build, you know, just seeing the history of, of how Russia, uh, was co-opted and, and, you know, everyone often uses the term Russia for when they mean Bolsheviks, you know, it was occupied by Bolsheviks, but the everyday Russian was just a, a normie, an NPC who was, uh, vacuumed along into this, you know, war state this industrial leninist war state and uh it was incredibly blackpilling from the point that it's just like man like you know how could how could a, a people a nation you know be absolutely co-opted looks like i uh have no chat do i pop out chat let's see there we go. Rob, welcome, brother. Um, how do I get this chat? Well, there we go. All righty. You'll have to excuse my Luddite-like ways. The Amish would accept me not because I choose to be a Luddite, but because I was born this way. Maybe I could be a trans technologist at some point in my life. All righty. Good to have you chaps on. Appreciate it. But yeah, so, you know, I really, I spent the weekend, you know, in a funk. I think, I think the black pill was not because, not because the black, not because the black, the black pill was not because of the Russians and their history. I think it was because of the way everything was framed. You know, it was the way that, that everybody kind of just hook, line and sinker kind of believed this crazy narrative um, afterwards. And that really got me into thinking of this thing of the power of the pen, you know, the power of media, the power of, of frame control, um, the power of, uh, how, um, how narratives control emotion and how narratives control the sword. Um, you know, there's that, that saying, probably a poem somewhere or whatever of, uh, the pen is mightier uh, than the sword. But the pen goes hand in hand with the sword. The pen controls the wielders of the sword. And when we look at, you know, we spoke a, a while back last week about rhetoric and uh, rhetoric and dialectic. The aim of, of rhetoric is to stir up emotion because it is emotion that creates action. At least for the vast, you know, swathes of normies. Uh, emotion is what moves men, is what drives men. 
And so he who, who can control the pen of, of rhetoric, the pen of emotion building, uh, can control the sword of, of institutions, you know, because institutions are authority systems. Authority are, are, is to bear the sword. <clears throat> and what is a normie but someone who follows the cultural norms of their highest institution, of their most powerful institution. And the reason they do that is because they fear the sword. They fear being excommunicated. They fear being socially or economically uh, assassinated. They fear being shamed or condemned or embarrassed. Very powerful uh, authority systems in an, in an institution. And how you control that is through, through the pen, through the bully pulpit. And for a long time, that was uh, the church. That was the priesthood. That was um, the pulpit, the bully pulpit. Because as an authority figure, you get to say, this is good. This is bad. This person is good. This person is bad. We excommunicate this person. We, we ad adore this person. And so that kind of shifted once the press, the printing press, the Logan presser, once the printing press got going, newspapers, newsletters, um, you know, uh, magazines became the new bully pulpit, especially when it came to this wonderful new thing, the anonymous leaflet, the anonymous pamphlet, pamphleteers, because you could basically slander someone. You could, you could rhetorically paint someone as evil, bad, terrible, and then disseminate it amongst the population, which is where... You know, you then had this kind of focus on education of like, well, let's discover the facts, dialectic education, right? Majority of people throughout history, even to today, have no dialectic ability. You know, even myself, even, even you guys watching, we are all to some extent swayed by good rhetoric. <clears throat> Thank you. Rob, the details of the fate of Tsar and his family are very difficult. The ritual sacrifice of Nicholas II and his family was that the ritual that truly was the ritual that truly birthed the great beast of the 20th century. Yeah, blood sacrifice. The new mic sounds good. Thank you. I uh, am very glad. We spent a lot of time listening, so it might as well sound good. <clears throat> yeah, man, you know the czar. For me, what really stands out as shocking is the the you know same with the French Revolution where where Voltaire and, and the and the boys offed old uh, old King Louis or or Philippe or whoever it was. <clears throat> but the absolute again institutional institutional weakness, right? Of the other aristocratic houses, there was no immediate punchback. You know, because it's like, well, what happened and, and they were all cousins as well. It's like what happens to the czar will may one day happen to me. I'm gonna go hard. There was none of that. You know, there was none of that for the Frenchies because it's like, oh, we hate the French. And I was like, no, well, you know, the French Revolution is going to just be a general pain in the ass for the next 300 years. So, you know, would it be nice if someone had gone across the channel and nipped it in the bud and what? And, you know, exactly the same with the czar of like, why was no one seeing, uh, you know, the Bolshevism for, Bolshevism for what it was? And, you know, maybe again, this is where it comes back to this thing of the people who are pulling the strings behind all the royal houses are like, no, we actually want this. We want Bolshevism. It's a tool. Uh, and Russia will be the first launching ground and the first kind of industrial. Uh, we're going to exploit this people and this place uh, for the future of Bolshevism and, and by extension, corporatism, who is handling it. 
El Hizzy, welcome. Insert advertisement for AA's Foundations of Rhetoric here. Please do. I'd be interested to. Uh, I'd be interested to to hear that. You know, my my uh, my education in rhetoric has only just begun. And so, going back to to what I was saying there, you know how all of us are swayed by by masterful persuasion, masterful rhetoric, and a lot of the time, rhetoric takes takes its form in the linguistic kill shot. Um, you know, for all of his uh, soft kind of boomer liberalist takes, Scott Adams is a master of uh, persuasion of rhetoric. Uh, he's the guy who's the Dilbert cartoonist, and and I read his book. Uh, what was his book called? How to Fail at Everything and Still Win Big. Very good book. Great book. He taught, you know, basically just his career as an engineer and bluffing his way up the corporate uh, hierarchy uh, and then obviously launching into Dilbert, which became a, a massive success amongst his many uh, failures. It was, it's a great, great book. Highly recommend it. And he has this, he... I'm not sure if it's his if it's his term, but he uses a lot of the linguistic kill shot, you know. And for the longest time, for us, uh, that linguistic kill shot has been racist. You know, it's like, oh no, please, <laughs> I'm not a racist, please. But but you've been gunned down. You've been rhetorically gunned down from a conversation, from a power encounter, from a debate, from even putting up your own boundaries. That that kill shot, that linguistic term, killed your defense. And defeated you. It either folded you, or made you run, or made you concede, uh, or made you outrage and look bad. And so um, we'll we'll just chat a bit about that tonight of of linguistic kill shots. Rob, the royal houses of Western Europe were very in debt to the financiers of Bolshevism. Well, 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 well. Correlation always equals causation. This is ADIQ history, folks. Remember that. DVG, welcome, brother. Good to have you on. Rob, uh, Scott Adams is lukewarm man. His cartoons are funny. Uh, best kill shot is post-physique. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's each each side has its own its own rhetoric. You know, you look, you look at 2015, 2016, the Trump train. The reason it was so amazing was that the meme war is completely rhetoric. Memes are not you know, six pages of dialectic reasons why it's literally post physique. Like you are weak. You are an emasculate, so emasculate, emasculated soy boy. Uh, your opinion doesn't matter here. And everyone else is like, King, King, King. And it's like, who are these guys? They're freaks. They don't care about my kill shots. They don't care about my midwittery. They don't care about my virtue signaled liberalism. And it's like, no, we don't care. And it's like, well, then you're a racist. It's like, no, no, it doesn't work on us anymore. We are no longer isolated. You know, we're no longer under the authority of hierarchies where being labeled a racist is an automatic kill, an automatic demotion, an automatic rejection. And so what's happening now? Well, let me just tell you how that happened though, right? So how do, how do kill shots come into being? How do these terms, these labels um, accrue power? You know, because if you had to go to someone and call him a soy boy, there is no power uh, attached to that. You know, you go call a, a random liberal, oh, you soy boy, they'd be like, yeah, I drink soy. There's no attached trauma 
or frame or uh, power, emotional power to that label that could get that person kicked out of their hierarchy or demoted in their hierarchy or feel fear or fold or outrage or uh, acquiesce to our demands. So how this happens, right? Let's take terrorist, for example. This was a great linguistic kill shot. You know, you see some some buildings blown, blown up on TV. You see some bombs blown up, you know, at some public event. And so now the media have, have captured this traumatic experience, right? And all they do is play it on repeat, play it on repeat, and they repeat the term terrorism, terrorist, terrorism, global terrorism, extremist terrorism, domestic ter terrorism. Ter and so now they're attaching this trauma, they're attaching this visual felt trauma, you know, and, and they'll get, they'll get like an everyday Joe guy on the street into, you know, and he's often not an everyday guy, Joe, he's a trained crisis actor to be like, I was just out here and oh my God, and, uh, you know, and trauma and like you identify with that guy. That could have been me. You know, and they have some girl crying and be like, oh, my, Mary, Mary. it's like, that could be my wife. That could be my sister. That could be my mom, my daughter. And we identify, you know, and then they get, they, and this emotional trauma wells up in us. And then they attach the word terrorist, terrorist, extremist, terrorism, terrorist, extremist, terrorist, terrorist, terrorist. And in the case of, of 2001 and, and Boston and all that kind of stuff, it's like radical Islamic terrorism. You know, that was the, the kind of framing, right? And so now anytime that word was used, it's not just the word terrorist, right? It's not a powerless word now. It associates all this thousands of hours of replay, thousands of hours of focus onto this one word. Same goes with global warming, which they then hopped onto uh, climate change when they realized that it's going to be a um, the 400th year of... Uh, the grand solar minimum is coming up. So this next 10 years is going to be just be crazy weather and we're actually going into a mini ice age. You know, not many people know that because they won't say that, but it's like, okay, crap, the weather's going to be all over the place. Climate change. But what they did was they they wheeled out an expert or a very authoritative man, right? Alan Gore. You know, this, this guy who just wants to help the world and do good. And he was, you know, he was kind of hard done by by that absolute dick george w uh but anyway he whips out these sad documentaries of like oh my gosh we're all gonna die the seas are gonna rise five meters but while we do this i'm also buying 10 seaside properties but the seas are gonna rise you know and so we're associating all this trauma with the word climate change pollution uh greenhouse gases uh ozone depletion you know and they they just attach these crazy these, these phrases. And you know, it's a kill shot because everybody's using it. every media house, every journalist, every talking head, every movie. Movies are incredibly powerful. Dra dramatizations, plays, you know, a lot of the times it's like, they don't even, you don't even have to have real trauma. You know, you, it's, it's great when they catch, you know, journalist of the year goes and catches, you know, the, the, the African refugee child with a fly landing on his lip. And it's like, pick time picture of the year and it's like that's great that's all wonderful and stuff but when they when they can fabricate these so what is cinema but rhetoric but emotion right what is music what is play what is literature but the elicitation of emotion right so you walk into an art gallery 
Nowadays, you're like, oh, Scott, this is all terrible. This is not art. And it's like, what do you feel? I feel, I feel dead inside. I feel degraded. I feel soulless. And it's like, then this is art and it's doing its purpose. It's eliciting an emotion on the viewer, you know? And so we all look at these trash, absolute trash-filled art galleries. And it's like, that's not art. And it's like, no, it's not beautiful art. It's not Logos. It's not God's God-glorifying art. It's devil-worshipping art. It's soul-destroying art. But it is art because it's eliciting an emotion. And so when you come to cinema, to storytelling, to narrative, you know, you can make these documentaries. You can make these movies, you know, of like, uh, you know, World War II movies. And it's just like, we, again, our hearts are like, we love militarism. So we're like, oh, World War II, you know, and the Saving Private Ryan. And it's like, uh, band of brothers you will not get a world war ii movie where they don't at some point in the movie have a a amish guy with an eagle on his on his uniform um absolutely just raping someone murdering someone a point blank uh you know going to a gulag and oh, a, a concentration camp you know and seeing these people in striped clothes who you know they were just you know like there won't be a movie where that is not slipped in there because it's an emotion right it's and and then when you can tie emotions so they're, they're eliciting patriotism right i love america look at it we're the good guys we're you know sacrifice discipline brotherhood and then we're going to tie it in there with shame of these poor victims what did they ever do to, to, to deserve this you know and and so the cinema experience these movie experiences these narratives these stories become our emotions cannot distinguish between reality and fiction. Our emotions are simply responders of our body saying, I like this, I don't like this. Happy, sad, excited, fearful, angry, love. Like whatever, like our emotions are a logical, right? It's not, it, it does not, it does not ask whether this is true or not. And this is the great truth of these guys who are, um, what is the the word for these guys? The whole, uh, you know, visualization guys. They're like, you've got to visualize the life you want. You've got to have your dream board and visualize because your body can't tell the difference between you having it and not having it. You imagining it, you see it, you making a cinema narrative of your life makes you feel the emotions of that man as if it were true. And then your emotions lead to actions. You know, and that's the great deception of, of prosperity gospel preachers and, and these like dream board dudes is they're like, the emotions are enough. It's like, no, 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 don't get any, anyone wrong. You have got to go and act. You've got to let the, you know, Jesus, that righteous anger that welled up within him. Anger is an emotion that leads to an action. Love is an emotion that leads to an action. Happiness, gratitude, you know, gratefulness. Praise God, it's raining outside. This is wonderful. My wife is running from the clothesline. Cute. All righty. Jarrett, welcome, brother. Yep, terrorist was has become what lawyers call a term of art. That's very interesting. Rob, my man is on the solar minimum game. You know, as a as a man who has planted a bean or two, uh, I'm very interested. This is our first rain in uh, almost two weeks. It's been hot as out there. I am uh, 
I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I think uh, there's a chap, uh, I'm trying to think of the YouTube channel I watched, but he, he gives great analysis on uh, the solar minimum. Uh, if any of you guys know it, pop it in the chat, but it's well worth a, a good, and not from a black pill, you know, not from a doom pill of like, oh, the weather's, oh, this is all, you know, we're all going to die. No, it's like, no, this is great. Like industrial farming is going to be destabilized. The food, the food chain is going to uh, break at some point, the food distribution chain. Um, and so we better be prepared. You know, are we growing our own food? Are we uh, using, you know, are we harvesting rainwater? Are we uh, using permaculture principles? And, and you know, again, you, you don't have to be, you know, you could be in the city just due to your circumstances and whatnot. But it's like, do you have a decentralized food system? Do you have sovereignty? Do you know a guy? Do you know a guy you can fill a freezer of beef from? Do you know a guy you can uh, get food and water from? Energy, you know, firewood. Because that whole Texas thing where they shut down the power grid, that's just that's just the beginning, chap. South Africa, I'm telling you, South Africa is the template they're using for America of managed decline. And one of those things is control over the energy grid. You know, again, this whole thing of, of global warming, of climate change, it's not, you know, I, I love that meme today of like, uh, what's the, our problem is energy, uh, you know, lack of clean energy or whatever. And the guy's like, I have a solution. And it's like nuclear power. And it's like, I don't want a solution. I want control of the energy grid. And it's like, that's exactly it. You know, it's the same thing for like uh, carbon emissions and, and world energy and like save the planet and all this stuff. It's like, chaps, the Western, the Christian West is crushing at replanting trees at sustainable technology, at lowering, uh, you know, damage to the earth. The 10 biggest pollutant rivers into the oceans are Asia and Africa. It's like, well, no, no, no. It's just white people who must reduce their carbon footprint. It's just white people who must stop having babies. It's just white people. And it's like, no, no, no. Like China and India, Africa. It's like, no, no, no. They've already got communism. So we don't need, oh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, oh, oh, it's co communism. Is that Leninism? Is that the corporatism? Is that the uh, is that the uh, solution to climate change? It sure is. Anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm pumped about the Solomonum. You know, I think it's that whole thing of of looking forward to chaos. You know, when when the system is so against you, is so broken uh, against you, the last thing you want is the peace and prosperity of that system. Uh, you want a certain amount of destabilization of chaos because that's where you rise. That's where, you know, the normies, they, uh, the clowns can't keep hold of the normies forever in a, in a system of, of decline. I mean, they're doing well in South Africa, but, but that's due to a, a lack of, in my opinion, Christian dominionist, you know, patriarchal dominionist men building institutional power to which the, the normies can run to. You know, and that means parallel society building. And who's doing that phenomenally well in South Africa? It's the Indians. Uh, the Indians are crushing at that. And to a certain extent now, the Afrikaners. Um, but both won't allow, you know, all the Afrikaner kind of normies who are, are leaning towards Afrikaner parallelism are already parallel. All the Indians who are leaning towards Indian parallelism are already parallel. Like they're not letting in lily white english boys into the into chatsworth uh indian club like you're, you're not getting in you know that's that's in group preference there buddy all righty
uh, DVG, the, they pair the trigger words with the adrenaline amygdala system that starts the fight, flight, or freeze response. We now call it fear porn, but it's very effective without psychological inoculation. And that's a, that's a you know, fear porn is, is a huge one. You know, once you've started training, you train the normie. You know, and we were trained, right? I used to, I used to scroll news excessively. I used to trust newspaper headlines. I used to, you know, back in South Africa, there, there are two or three newspapers. I was like, well, they're a credible institution. You know, your, your school system, you trust the school system. Oh, he's wearing a police uniform. You trust the institution. And, you know, you get to this place where you've been trained. You, you've been Stockholm syndromed into reacting to these authority figures in your life. The journalist is an authority figure. And they just pump demoralization and fear point. And, and what is, you know, you, you talk about psychological inoculation. One of those inoculations is speaking the truth. One of those inoculations is not being alone. Don't be the last guy because you're like, am I, the, am I alone, God, in this cave? I'm, and now they're wanting to kill me. You get with like two or three other dudes and you laugh. You go have a pint and you freaking laugh at the at clown world. You know, because it's like, life is great. They have no power over me. You know, yes, they, and, and chaps, here's where we have to, here's the greatest inoculation of all is faith. You know, it's the whole Yuri Bezmanov thing of, faith is the greatest antidote to Leninism because I'm not afraid to die. You know, do I want to die? No, I, I frankly like living. You know, I, I, I like being alive. This is God's will for me to live 80 to 120 years and crush in my domain and bring heaven to earth and crush the clowns and rule the normies. Like I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. I'm having a phenomenal time. I'm sure a lot of you guys, you know, when you clean away the, the outside crap that's put on you, like, no, I'm actually having a great time. You know, so faith in God is one of the biggest inoculations against fear porn, against demoralization tactics. And, and half of faith in God is gratitude. You know, like, God, thank you. Thank you for such a time. Like, you know, for us, just to be like, thank you, Lord, that I was born in such a time as this. You know, like that meme is so important, chaps, that four block thing of, of hard times create, you know, strong men. Uh, hard times create strong men. And strong men create good times of like, thank you, Lord. We've just gone into hard times and you're making me into a strong man and my children are going to experience good times. Like, I'm super thankful that I am this, I'm at this uh, part in the great chain that is my heritage. You know, and Lord, I'm I'm thankful for, you know, I, I think a lot of guys, like, you know, even like with your wife and your your family and your kids and where you live and your job. And it's like, you know, there's stuff that, that gets on your nerves. There's stuff that gets you down. There's stuff that you can gripe about and, and become a victim over. And it's like, you know, Lord, I thank you that you love me. You're directing my steps. I thank you. You know, Matthew 6, 6, you see me in secret and you're going to reward me openly. And it takes all the gripe away. It takes all the, like, I need to show them. I need a, a you know, outrage porn, you know, or fold and just be like black pill, end it. It's like, no, 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 Lord, I thank you that even though I'm in the desert, even though I'm in a prison in this thing or this scenario or situation, like you're going to lead me out. And, and I have faith in that. And I'm grateful. Chaps, that's an inoculation against this crazy fear porn. You know, another one is comedy. If you can, if you can laugh and if you can make other guys laugh, you know, it's, it's like we were meant to laugh. You know, God laughs. At, at the enemy, at, at the devil and the clowns and what they're trying to do. 
And it's like, well, so should we. You know, we should laugh at these guys. And, and what's worse, you know, that's the thing, chaps. We have to get over this fear of death. The worst they can do to us is kill us. We have to get a theology of glorious death, of martyrdom, glorious martyrdom. God reward you for being a martyr. Do you believe that God, that when you get to heaven, you'll get a crown of glory for being a man after God's heart, for being a man of truth, a man of bravery, a man of courage? You know, we have to believe this. And, and it's like, for me, it's a hearty yes. You know, that's, I think that's what got me blackpilled about Russia was the, the Kulaks absolute, you know, you're all going to die anyway. So you may as well speak the truth. You're all going to die anyway. So you may as well organize institutional power. You're all going to die anyway. You may as well actually go hard after your domain and try and crush the clowns where you can and how you can. And I think this is the, the great, you know, this is the great divide for why you see conservatives for the great falling away is because they're all afraid to die. You know, and, and a man who's not afraid to die is some crazy stuff. And, and, and because you're not afraid to die, other men who are afraid to die don't want to be around you. They're going to they're gonna persecute you. They're going to shun you. They're going to criticize you. Because, you know, if you're the guy who says, all right, chaps, 300 dudes, let's go stand in the breach. And there's 300 dudes around you who don't want to die. They're going to be like, um, no, no, let's go listen to a Jordan Peterson lecture. <laughs> you know, but if it's like, if it's, if it's to the point of like, there's 300 dudes and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to die alone. We're going to die in glory together. And it's like, man, that's, you know, Christianity is a death cult. I love that kind of meme, but it's like Christianity is a glorified death cult because when you lose your fear of death, life just becomes like, there is no black pill. The black pill is fear of dying. You know, there was that great, I don't know, what is it, Reddit or 4chan or whatever, where they they share those green screens with all the little guys telling stories or whatever. And he was like, hey, chaps, like super suicidal black pill, like life sucks, just, you know, wife left me, blah, 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 all this stuff, like bad life. Uh, who's got any, you know, tips for me? And one guy was like, hey, man, why don't you, why don't you go and uh, join up with the Kurds and go out in a blaze of glory like that, that that'll be pretty fun you know and if you come back and survive you'll have done an amazing thing probably got through your depression like chased a mission because that's what men are for men are for chasing a mission you know and when we're not chasing a mission we get all stagnant and 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 uh, and, and then we're like oh outrage and fear porn and, and all the stuff because we're like we've been we've been divert di uh die what's the word i'm looking for when you have two visions, division, we've been we've been diverted from our focus, from our mission, and now we're playing the clowns in their little pig trough. And it's like, yeah, this sucks. It's like, dude, go find a mission, go crash, go do something that would be absolutely energizing to you, and you stop caring about the news, you stop caring about the fear porn, you stop caring about the normies because you're like, I'm crashing, and the worst they can do to me is come and kill me, and then it's glory. El Hizi. Once you equip the armor of God, it's so easy to see through their lies. And that's it, man. It's easy to see through their lies. It's then what do we do? You know, do we, do we fold? Do we outrage? Or do we go crush? And I think that's it. You know, we think we have to go and crush them. You know, I have to go, I have to go redact CNN. I have to go redact the bankers. I have to go redact 
the UN headquarters. And it's like, do I have the authority to do that? No. And so it's going to be Ted Kaczynski or, or Killdozer. You know, absolute waste because it was out of authority. What do I have authority? My domain, my institutions, my local area, my relationships, my uh, thing that God has put in my heart to go do. You know, and it's like, I think that's where, I think that's where there's this amazing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Every man a king. Because we're like, I'm just, I just have a YouTube channel with 11 dudes watching. And it's like, no, 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 that's crushing. Because it's like, this is what I'm, I'm meant to do. And it's like, if I'm a, if I'm a, a one coin guy, then I'm doing my one coin. And you know, if I die tomorrow, I believe I'm, I'm going to see Jesus and just going to be like my good and faithful servant. Like, well done. You did what I asked you to do. And it's like, Lord, I did what you, I did it, Lord. And it's like, yeah, you did it. It's like, yeah, I did it. You know, 80, 80 IQ Greg brain over here would be super pumped because like, I did what the Lord wanted me to do. You know, and that's the cry on all of our hearts is just to know that we've done what the Lord wanted us to do. But we look at, at these, you know, that's such a psyop. It's like, well, unless you're a politician, unless you're a pastor, unless you're a billionaire businessman, it's like, unless you're a celebrity, then you're not serving the Lord. Then you're not, you're nobody. It's like, no, sorry, buddy. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do my one, my one coin, my one talent as unto the Lord. And I'm going to crush at it. And that's the secret to, to a happy life. It's like, God, thank you for my one talent. And, and thank you that you're, you're directing my steps and, and I'm crushing. DVG, you cannot fight triggers with nuance or intellectual arguments because those do not work in the moment. So that's exactly it. It's dialectic versus rhetoric. Rhetoric is all about emotion. It's all about in the moment right now. It's all about the sound, the sound bite. You know, did I drop the mic on you? Whereas dialectic is like, well, if you turn to page 56 of this book, you will see the comment there that actually disputes what you're saying. Because if we look at the footnotes and it's like, no one cares. You just bored half the room who are now in a this whole TikTok culture of like, unless you can slam, you know, post physique, buddy, like rip off your shirt and just be like deadlift competition right now. Winner takes all. And they're like, no, no, you're a freak. And it's like, great. That was a, that was a drop the mic moment. That was a, even though it proved nothing, you got this emotional response from your side. You got this emotional confrontation from your side. I'm like, based, our guy just ripped his shirt off in a national televised debate. You know, if if Ted Cruz had to get in the gym and start, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds uh, and actually, you know, want to start fighting, guys would be like, okay, he's entered the rhetoric game. But he sits in this dialectic game of, of the soft conservative who, who just tries to play facts and, you know, oh, Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings, gang. It's like, you know, like your, your verbal fluency to, to try and outwit 18, 19-year-old freaking 100 IQ uh, socialist feminists in a, in, a, in a university setting is like, that's not changing the world. You're just making them more angry, hate you more. You know, you got your little thing going there. And it's like, it's wrong use of rhetoric. You know, it's not, it's such a, it's an interesting thing, you know, but, but it's exactly that DVD, like intellectual arguments don't work. You have to show evil. You have to point, you have to illuminate the evil in the room. You have to illuminate the hierarchy in the room and how you can bump someone down the hierarchy. And that's why insults, you know, half the name of the game is insults. And as, as young boys, we, we intuitively get this, you know, it's either as young boys on the playground, it's either post physique I'm stronger than you. It's it's post physique. I can climb the tree higher than you. You're a little 
sissy pants, little coward. And it's like, uh, you know, that's a kill shot because he proved like, and of everyone is like, I'm not a coward. And you climb the tree and it's like, great, you've proved. You've proved that you're not a coward. <clears throat> it's the same way of like, you know, these ins insane, these, you know, what are the, what are the insults of our guys, of our hierarchy? It's weakness as opposed to strength. It's cowardice as, a, as opposed to courage. And it's, it's incompetence as opposed to mastery. Those are the, the insults that go to our soul. And instead, what we're, we're taught to reel away from is racist. You know, oh, you're a racist. Like, does that have anything to do with my competence? No. Does that have anything? There's a hurricane going on outside. I'm loving this. Just hoping my patio umbrella doesn't fly away. If it does, I'll be out that door for a brief commercial break with Jesus. For, for our guys, racist, like, does it affect my, my competence? No. Does it affect my strength? No, it maybe even increases my strength. You know, it shows that I'm willing to go against the system. Uh, you know, it, it's a show of my bravery that I'm willing to call, call someone out regardless of color or engage, you know, regardless of being rhetorically shot at. And once you see this, once you can, you can teach our guys this, that like, hey man, if your enemy is insulting you, it's a great compliment. It's a great, it's a great building up of your own hierarchy amongst your own guys. And, uh, and, and that's what conservatives, you can, you can tell when conservatives are soft, are soft, incompetent, cowardly men, bunch of soft serves, bunch of weak sources. When they, they have no concept for courage or, or shows of strength, you know, shows of strength. Because for them, they think that principle, standing by principle, it's like, well, you know, I saw someone on Twitter says like 20 years ago, uh, the GOP was against gay marriage and, and today they're endorsing uh, a gay tranny vestite for governor of the most important uh, state in the, in the union. And it's like, oh, but we're principled. It's like, no, you have no principles. You have no principles. But yeah, so DVG, you're, you're totally right there. You know, intellectual arguments do not work in the moment. A, a debate is all about embarrassing your opponent. It's all about power encounter. It's all about having rhetoric that moves the emotional uh, sword onto their evil, onto their bad. And you're trying, to, you're trying to convince as many normies who are watching that this institution bad, my institution powerful. Not good or bad, powerful. Because if I'm powerful enough, I can protect you from that bad man. Nirvana, welcome, brother. What is fascinating about cinema is how believable what you see is. It cannot be real. And the film takes over your eyes. You only see what the film wants you to see, and you cannot believe it. And you feel what the film wants you to feel. You know, I, I think this is a reason I don't watch much film. You know, I'll watch maybe three or four movies a year at the insistence of my wife. And it's mostly Hallmark, which makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I can predict the storyline within the first three minutes. But for me, you know, watching movies, it will a, a movie will sit with me for a week in my mind. The emotions that it triggers, the 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 like you say, the the ideas, you know, what it wants you to see, you know, it'll sit heavy on on my heart. Uh, watching, you know, a movie that 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 wells up injustice or wells up fear or wells up rage or wells up sadness. I hate sad movies. Can't stand them because it'll sit with me. 
you know, a, a great movie, you know, like I love comedies. I, I love comedies because it's like, it's a great laugh. You feel the high, you get the buzz, uh, you know, and you feel that for, for a few days. It's exactly that. It, it makes, it, it, it diverts motion picture, diverts any logical screen that, that you can apply. El Hizzi, Roots by Alex Haley and Schindler's List by Spielberg were the center of our indoctrination. Yeah, you know, it's exactly that. It's it's how can we create a plausible, a plausible historical, you know, you can say you can say like based on true, based on a true story. And it's like, oh, it was based on a true story. It's like the only thing true about it is the the location. Like it was shot in Germany. It was shot in southern Alabama or whatever, you know, it's like. Okay, guys, we got we got the one. It's the same with newspapers. Newspapers are based on a factual account. That that's it. The headline is like, you know, inside source tells us allegedly that blah blah blah, and they'll they'll go off on something that that is one percent true. But they'll they'll hit on the one percent and then just make up you know ninety percent absolute crazy stuff. You know, it's exactly that. Nirvana. Oh, and then and then what you do, Al Hizzi, you know, talking about Roots and, and Schindler's List, is you get other people to celebrate this. This is, what's, this is the power of the media. It's the power of, of ministry, the platform, ministry platform, if, if people are willing to use it as a bully pulpit. But you lord applause on it and you you keep it in the news cycle and you're like, oh, have you seen this movie? It's a great movie. And you reference it and and you, you, you know, you promote it and you push it. And, and it's all one big network of dudes all slapping each other on the back and, and you know, Oh, this was amazing. Have you seen it? And you know, then it, it almost becomes a thing of bearing the sword of like, if you haven't seen it, uh, you're bad. You're a bad person. And if you speak badly of it, you're bad. You're a bad person. Like, how dare you? <clears throat> Nirvana, so many movies need to make it clear to the viewer, dumb as they are, that the bad guy is bad. This is done by having something so bad that a normal person could not do it. It uh, could not do it be done by a main character. Exactly that, man. It's it's this thing of it's this thing of absolute character. Uh, char it's a caricature. That's where you know. That's where the thing of like playing a character. You're playing a caricature. You know, could, because you've got you've got exactly twelve minutes to instill in the viewer that this guy is Satan himself, and so you caricature it. You know, it's like, you know, many, many guys, and and it goes the other way. You know, you can you can be like you know MLK for example. Like apparently the guy you know was a rapist and a and a just a, a absolute degenerate, but it's like you can meme him into being a saint, you know. And as long as you gatekeep all the evidence to the contrary, and no one else comes out with a rhetorical attack to dispute it, then it works. And I was like, oh, this guy is amazing. He's a saint, and all the experts and everyone's denounced who talks against him. You know, it becomes enshrined in lore, in in mythology that he's a great guy, even though he was evil. You know, it could be this whole thing of like. Exactly that, man. The first 12 minutes, like the guy, you know, kicked a child in the face and stole his lunch money. And it's like, you know, and bad music. Like, me, 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 ching, ching, ching. And it's like every time that guy comes on, that music comes up because now you're associating that music with him kicking the little child. And so anything this guy does, that music comes on and we're, oh, my emotions and like, oh, I hate this guy. DVG, this is why people feel so much pain with virtual sins. You feel like you just did whatever happened in front of you on the screen, even if it didn't. You feel like David with Bathsheba, even if you didn't. 
do it. Yeah, you know, and that's it. You you make you can, you know, people talk about like sexualizing children by you know showing them pornography or or having sex ed class and or uh, you know like uh, an adult exposing himself to a child, and then the child has this uh, this like trauma happen to him. The same thing happens with movies, right? With intense amounts of gore, uh, intense amounts of trauma and abuse. You know, so for instance, like you can have movies where like you know some some absolute you know, when they want to like destabilize patriarchy and, and caricaturize patriarchy as bad, they'll have like John Smith was a family man. He was just, you know, everyone thought he was great until he got home. And there's like, like, like the garage door opens and it's like his wife, Mary cowers in fear. And it's like, hide honey, daddy's home. You know, and like they, they get the fear up, you know, it's like, and he like comes in and just like beats the woman, you know, in absolute, they just have the scene where like this woman is just beat like a rag doll on, you know, on TV, on, uh, on the screen. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I, I just, I just saw a, a domestic abuse, you know, for so many people, you will never encounter domestic abuse in your whole life. You'll never see domestic abuse. You'll never hear of domestic abuse. You'll never see a rape. You'll never hear of rape. You'll never see racism. You'll never hear of racism. But, but because now we're all having this mass experience on it, you know, especially when it comes to a, a very popular movie that, you know, half the nation sees or a very popular, you know, Thursday night uh, sitcom or ep, uh, what do you call them? Soap opera or whatever, where like half the nation is watching it. It's like, it's a collectivized trauma. It's a group trauma that everyone now agrees. Your body agrees happened. It's a virtual sin. Like you say, DVD, it's, it's exactly that, man. Rob, Ice Age Farmer. Yes, that's a great, uh, that's a great, uh, I'm not, he might've been kicked off YouTube, but, but just Google that guy. He, he's got some great stuff on, um, on the, uh, grand solar minimum and what you can do to prepare. And that's a chaps. There's no black pill on this. You know, it's like, I'm, I look forward to it. We're going to be, we're going to be just fine. Nirvana decline comes from lack of space. It is structure that prevents structure. Let me read that again. That's pretty deep. We've got a galaxy brain in the chat here. Decline comes from lack of space. It is structure that prevents structure. Negative structure, if you will. Civilization equals structure. More civilization equals more structures. I get that. You know, when structure by the state, media, culture, law prevents structure from forming, civilization declines. It's like a tree, right? You need to prune. So a tree just grows. It just grows for the sake of growing. And so you need to prune it back. You need to be constantly taking out the structure that is in the way of fruit. And so the fruit of civilization is peace and prosperity for your people. And when the tree gets in the way of that, you need to prune it back. And exactly what you're saying, man. There's this, you know, bureaucracy just creeps and creeps and creeps. It's like, can we prune it back, please? It's like, no, my job depends on it. Welfare creeps and creeps. Can we prune it back, please? No, no, no. That's inhumane. Uh, immigration just creeps and creeps. Can we prune that back? No, no, no. Just got to invite the world. You know, all these like crazy, just exactly like you say, just structure upon structure. It, the, the tree grows, uh, you know, and, and that's the great, that's the great kind of uh, metaphor for starting afresh. You know, when you look at the Roman uh, Republic transitioning to an empire, it's, it's almost like you, you start afresh. We've got a new tree. You look at, at, you know, America seceding from Britain. We start afresh. We've got a new tree. You look at Rhodesia 
separating from, from the British Empire. You start afresh, you've got a new tree. And I think that's what everyone's crying out for now in America is almost like a, can we start afresh? Can we abolish the structure that is preventing fruit, the fruit of civilization, which is peace and prosperity for your people? <clears throat> Radical liberation. Welcome, brother. El Hizzi. Preach. Well, please don't call me a preacher. That would put me in the ministry zone and I'd have to, I'd have to apply for a tax break and then you'd have to give me sweet tithe money. And I'd fly a sweet jet. Uh, Nirvana. This is principally what the left and how the left operates. It prevents structure from forming. Take Rhodesia. It is a sieve structure. The left acted as a structure that prevented a structure from forming. Yeah, exactly that. And even through, you know, crazy, like you look at the at the liberals in London, we're basically funding uh, Mugabe and uh, uh, what, what was the other chap, the Malawian guy? Dr. Hastings Bunda, Dr. Hastings Bunda, very dignified uh, gentleman, but don't be fooled, they're Bolshevik of note. Uh, but yeah, you know, they, they, were, they, were basically, they were basically funding Bolsheviks against their own, it wasn't their own, you know, the Rhodesian, the Rhodesian Anglos were, were the enemy of the London corporatists. <clears throat> Alrighty, where am I here? I appreciate you guys in the chat, by the way. It's wonderful. Keeps things going here. My God. Alrighty. Um, radical liberation. Channel name suggestion. Scott crushes it. Yeah, I mean, that's very, it's very possible. Um, we'll know it when we feel it. It has to be rhetoric. It has to be such, it has to be such hot rhetoric that it gets me banned the next day. Or it has to be such beautiful trolling that I, we all of a sudden get like 2,000 liberals entering the chat thinking I'm like the soy boy king or something like that. <clears throat> Nirvana. The fear of death is others' power over us. Yep. El Hizzi, they can destroy our bodies, but they cannot destroy our souls. And that's exactly it. You know, you have a choice. You know, you those, uh, what is the, the scripture? Um, He who he who loses his life will will gain will gain. He who is willing to lose his life will gain his life. But he who tries to save his life, who tries to keep and and hold on to that which he cannot hold, will lose his life. And that's it for us. You know, we have to be willing to like commit to commit our bodies, our mortal coil, uh, unto the Lord, and just be like, Lord, you know, whatever happens, uh, I'm in I'm in your hands. You are the director of my steps. And that is real power. Nirvana, there is real power in willing to die. If the other side sees this, they will tremble. It's a good way to select the best. The bug man is a man who will give up anything not to die. The modern world happens because men do not have anything that they are willing to die for. The will to live over anything means that man stands for nothing. Yeah, other than his own existence, to be something to die for that. You know, it's exactly that thing of like this whole thing of them wanting to live forever of, you know, and, and it's, it's a good thing to want longevity. You know, the Bible says 80 or 120 years is, is our lot. And it's a good thing to want to live fully to those 80 years or fully to those 120 years. But yeah, you get these guys who are like injecting baby blood and, you know, trying to do gene therapy and, and steal, you know, well not steal, but like pay people for fresh organs and fresh blood and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> also that they can carry on living because they're, yeah, they're afraid of God. They're afraid of, 
of meeting their maker. El Hizi doing what? It's it's the calling. Living is not breathing, but and doing what? It's the calling that God has put on our life to do. You know, you 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 have this this thing on your heart that God has put for you to to go and crush at. And we all know what it is. We know what it is. We, we, we avoid it. We're afraid of it. We skirt around it. We watch other people do it. Uh, but there comes an amazing, amazing freedom and glory when, when you decide to unbury your, your gift and go crush. Rob, regarding redacting, Diodici. Exactly. You know, we've got to trust God to vindicate. You know, vengeance is mine says the Lord. And what we do with this, chaps, whenever we outrage at the journalists, whenever we fold at the journalists, whenever there's fear and anger, bring it to the Lord. Say, God, I cast this anger at your feet. And I, and I ask you to avenge, I ask you to crush my enemy in the, I'll crush their teeth, you know, absolutely. Like if you read the Psalms, half of it is David just asking God to crush his enemies. <clears throat> Nevada, those who want nothing more than to not die are those who are nothing. They believe in nothing. Christ came to save the world. And if you believe Christ, you believe that when you die, you do not die. That is the key to understanding the good news. Yeah. Rob, post physique works too well, so well against wall text and lefty post because it's the adult version of get in the locker, nerd. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's it. They, you know, the bug man, the, the, the weak man detests his own weakness. You know, he doesn't, I think that, you know, even the liberalized man who lives in, in the inverted hierarchy and in the, in the inversion of honor, I think they still have a base, you know, the, this, this natural grace to be strong. They, they desire to be strong. And, and the way they see to fulfill that is to have political power. You know, they want the power to crush, the power to kill, the power to take. In four hours... You know, a lot of liberals are super hard on right-wing bodybuilders who go to the gym for four hours a day. They're like, oh, it's a waste of time. It's selfish. It's it's vainglorious. And it's like, no, they're they're building power over their own bodies. They're building strength uh, innately. They're not trying to take over. There's something to be said about that. <clears throat> Nirvana, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not die, but live forever. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things for me of, of, you know, this whole dominion life, this whole dominion game that, that it's an absolute game changer for Christians. You know, this, this whole thing of being like, oh, Jesus, come back. Oh, Jesus, rapture us. Oh, Jesus, come and save us. Just praying for Jesus to come back, brother. And it's like, you know, we have to get past this thing of like, you know, cause, cause half, half of the, the, I don't know, bad ideology here is thinking that when you die, you go sit on a cloud and sing bad worship songs for, for eternity. You know, this is just my opinion. It's not scriptural. But if heaven is better than earth, then we're going to enjoy it better than we're enjoying our life now. You know, imagine, and, and it's that whole thing of, of how did God create Adam? I believe Eden was the template for heaven. It was the template for the life that God wanted us to live. Stewarding property, having relationships, crushing in, in what we love to do, stewarding, stewarding our gift, stewarding our, our environment. And so for me, I, I feel like I feel. Uh, oh, you, you know, facts don't care about feelings, you bastard. Bert's gold. I, I have a, I have a 
opinion that heaven is going to be a it's going to be an even better life than we lived on earth you know we we can't grasp that that kind of thing so people just be like oh you're going to be on a cloud singing worship forever and it's like well well just praying for god to rapture me brother jared half the name of the game is insults totally agree yep <clears throat> un-canadian welcome brother crush or die <laughs> un-canadian let the lord be the judge of our crushing the clowns will never get it Nirvana, to be something is to never not be that thing, no matter what, no matter if you die. Debate is to stand by your claim, no matter what, to have the greater will. Yes, cinema breaks your mind because it feels too real to not be questioned. Jared, that's why I just keep rewatching The Lord of the Rings and Team Stuff. You know, The Lord of the Rings, I, I, I read something a while back about uh, The Lord of the Rings being uh, Anglo mythology. You know, the Norse legends and the Greek, Greek mythology and of mythology is indistinguishable from religion it gives a it gives a more moral code and a heritage software download in a downloadable it gives you a heritage software a moral code in a downloadable form for our hardware you know and so lord of the rings is basically just seeing eye stones in the lord of the rings movie series we all think we are strong-minded enough to wield it, but with enough exposure, it wields us. Yeah, you know, I've often thought about that of, of where would we, you know, again, I, I think that the internet, it affects every domain, you know, so, so guys in the ministry domain are using the internet for ministry. Guys in the media domain are using, you know, I would be, I would probably be some random journalist in a small town, you know, if this was back in the, you know, 1800s, I would be writing anonymous pamphleteer. I'd be pamphleteering, you know, and and so the internet is a wonderful thing. It's it's allowed us to connect. It's allowed us to to pursue our domain, but at the same time, it's like just because you have a tool doesn't mean you use it for everything. I'm trying to think of a good analogy for us here. Let's just use the time-honored analogy of of the the hammer and the nail. You know, just because I have a sweet hammer, I don't just go around hammering everything. And I believe that's that's you know the same same kind of idea with with the internet of of it's not the best solution for a lot of our things. But oh well, I'm really good at wielding a hammer. I'm really good at at the internet, and this is all we know. And it's like I think in a way we need to put very drastic limitations on our use of it so yeah we all think we are strong-minded enough to wield it but with enough exposure it wields us jake stein undoctrination welcome brother el hizzi we were forced to spend a week in junior high on roots in public school yeah man in south africa we were forced to read a book called uh man we read two i can't remember what it was called we read this book by this indian author in which there was a very graphic um, depiction of a boy being um, sexually uh, abused or, or groomed and then abused by his uncle and, and super like graphic and just, and we, we were reading this in freaking class. And I just remember feeling so dirty and like, you know, 
it's crazy the the indoctrination they they you know and then we read another book called shades which is a south african uh, historic novel about just how terrible uh, the british empire were to the Corsa people you know uh, to and again like i remember reading that book and crying you know we had to read it on our on our uh, the the transition like grade 11 ended for us uh, in the summer and we had to read it over that summer before our our senior year in high school and i remember just reading that book and weeping you know because here i was this little 17 year old boy with no capacity for is this true of course it was a fictional work but here you're the emotions were just so strong of like of grief and death and injustice and you know the stuff welled up in me and and you know how how do little 17 year olds deal with that you know <clears throat> Limbi Banda, do I drink Amarula? Welcome, Limbi Banda. I do. I do drink Amarula. My uh, my wife enjoys it very much. Um, I think we we might have brought some over with us when we last came back from South Africa. You are from Malawi. Well, well, well. Are you a are you a relative of Doctor Hastings Banda? Are you? Is this is this true? Stephen Laden, Matthew sixteen twenty five. Well, 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 this is a great honor. Stephen Ladin in the chat. Well, Stephen Ladin, everybody, is the amazing policeman friend that I often tell analogies about and stories about. Steve, you are a man of honor in this chat. New Living Translation. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Praise God. Limbi Banda, I have an admiration for Muslim countries and Putin. Should I feel guilty? <laughs> no, you know, again, it's like copy their homework. You know, copy their homework. It's like, what do the Muslims have? They have, they have moral, they have moral civic government. The the governor bears the sword according to their moral. You know, everyone's like, oh, it's theocracy. It's like, no, no, no. They have a king. The king rules, but he's a Muslim king and he glorifies God in, in his way. And Putin's just based, dude. Reading reading about reading about Leninism and and just all the stuff that went down in 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 Russia, you know, you you've got to remember the Bolsheviks were not Russian. You know, they co opted the Russian people in place, and Putin is Russian. He loves Russia. He loves his people. He loves his place. Radical liberation internet as a palantir. Yep, Nirvana. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's such an important one, eh, chaps? This whole thing of going and making disciples of all nations. Number one, nations. You know, there's this there's this implicit, um, this whole thing of, of you know, nationhood for every tribe and tongue christ for every nation it's it's such an important thing and then what does it mean to make disciples you're not out there trying to uh you know it doesn't go and say make salvations go and make converts it says make disciples now disciple means to discipline an action you know and so we are to bring people into a way of life god's ways are better than our ways and we are to we are to live out those ways in such a way that other people want to live out those ways and sometimes that is through institutional power Alhizi, if the rapture did come, I would understand and accept it, but I don't want it. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we enjoy this chaos. You know, 
it's such a loser mentality to be like, oh, the world's falling apart. It's, oh, it's all terrible, you know, and and want to escape. It's it's libertarian victimhood. It's like, no, 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 like, like this is exciting. The Wild West, you know, why do we love stories about the Wild West? Why do we love stories about colonia- uh, colonists and pioneers? It's because it was a time of great instability, of great chaos. And strong men came and, and brought order and brought civilization and brought peace and prosperity. And it's like, that's, that, it's now for us, you know, and we're trying, people, people in the wild west didn't know that, you know, that the, how, you know, how are we going to bring peace and prosperity? How, it's like, no, you just go out and you build civilization. Same with the, the trek, you know, the great trek in South Africa, the four trekkers or, or the, the colonists and, and the pilgrims here in America, you know, you, you don't know what time and, and how God is going to do things. You just, you just do your gift to the glory of God and, and you trust that you're doing your part. DBG, facts may not care about feelings, but people do. Love is as strong as death. It's flame, the fire of the Lord. Song of Songs. Yeah, you know, and, and one more thing there, uh, Elhizi, with, with this whole thing of the rapture, you know, you know, yeah, exactly that. You know, in Jamestown, when, what, half the colony died that first year in America or the Plymouth colony or wherever it was, how many of them were like, it's the end times, you know, pray for the rapture. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, we're going to make it, you know. <clears throat> Nirvana, this verse is key to your point. Christ has all authority and he has instructed us to use it to his ends. The West forgot this. They thought we do not have all authority and then left the world. Yeah, it, it's a, it is a thing. It's it's authority. You know, we we get to this place of, We take responsibility for things we don't have authority of. Washington, D.C., you know, the news, all of this crap. We're like, oh, I've got to take I've got to take responsibility. It's like, no, I have no authority there. But then the things we do have authority for, our personal lives, our families, our institutions, our local area, our time. Uh, we, 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 oh, I don't have authority there. And, and so you don't take responsibility over the things you do have authority over. Rob, forsaking the gift of this life is a Gnostic heresy that excuses inaction in this life. Yeah. And that that whole thing of Gnostic, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, theology bros, but Gnosticism is the separation of spiritual things from physical things. The spirit is holy, the physical is dirty. So we go and meditate, you know, and we we go be a Buddhist or a or a nun and lock ourselves away and just just do Gnostic things, you know. And it's like, no, like go get dirty, you know. Our Lord. He got dirty. So praise God, chaps. I think that was a, a wonderful stream today. I really appreciate you all jumping in on the in the chat to kind of uh, wrap things up. Um, you know, just we, we need to start becoming masters of, of rhetoric ourselves. We need to not feel guilty about using rhetoric, about, about insulting our enemies, about uh, having power encounters. You know, that's the great thing with Elijah. And the prophets of Baal, it was a power encounter. It's like, well, what what do you guys want to do? You want to do idol burning? Or, uh, what do you call it? Offering burning? Fine, let's play the offering burning game. And, and it's a power encounter. Now, what do our enemies want to use? They want to use institutions. They want to use rhetoric. Fine, we'll, we'll play the institutional rhetoric game. And it, it's a power encounter. You know, and so I, I think that's this, this thing we need to really get, get on hard after is, is becoming skilled in institution building and wielding institutions and in rhetoric. In, in being impervious to rhetoric, if someone comes and calls you, no, you're a domestic terrorist. Oh, you're a racist. You're a bigot. You're a homophobe. It's like, that means nothing to me. Your your insults are actually a great 
compliment coming from you. You scum, vile, weak clown. And I think when when they realize that their rhetoric doesn't work on you, I, I think it, it causes panic in them, you know. And, you know, again, then it escalates to, you know, if it, if it escalates to, to full on, you know, them now wanting to do you bodily harm, it's like, number one, I don't think many of them are, are courageous enough to do it. Uh, but number two, it's like, I think that's where we need to be clever with institutional protection and power and, and not be stupid. You know, you don't go to a debate alone. You don't go to an enemy stronghold alone. You play a clever game, you know? So as it is with, with, um, with rhetoric, you know, we, we, we help our normie friends to, you know, you, you can go up to guys and be like, Hey man, if anyone ever calls you racist, if anyone ever calls you bigot, if anyone ever calls you names or tells you that you're a shameful person, it's like, we're here for you, man. Like I'm, I won't throw you under the bus. I'm right or die. You're my mate. It gives guys great confidence that they're not alone. You know, this is why it's so important, chaps, to start calling each other, to start having emails, to start meeting up with guys, you know, to have in real life, go have a pint with three other dudes. That's why it's so powerful against rhetoric. That's why it's so powerful against all the rage in the world is because you're sitting with another mate and you're like, hey, this is another mate. And it's like, he knows me. I know him. Like, we're good. We're right or die. You know, and if some guy comes out like, oh, you won't believe Scott Tunge. He's just a bigot racist homophobe uh he kicked a child in the face he kicked a puppy over a wall he you know whatever it's like yeah i don't care <laughs> like he's my mate you know it's this whole thing of you know it's, there's great strength there's great strength in in two three four guys who who know like well i'm not gonna die in a cave alone i've got i've got my three mates and then, um, and then for the rest of this week, chaps, um, I'm going to be uh, helping out at a youth summer camp, believe it or not. I'll have to uh, make sure that young boys are trained in the way of the Lord. So that'll be fun. Um, I will be streaming in the evenings this whole week. So I think we're going to aim for about 8 o'clock, um, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Eastern Standard time, uh, the rest of this week. So that'll be fun. Faith always leads to two things, either action or resolve. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. God bless you, brothers. May the Lord strengthen you and uh, encourage you this week. We'll see you all tomorrow. Praise God. And inshallah.